want to thank you for being here uh, this morning at Outward Church. My name is Matt, um, uh, one of the pastors here and lead pastor uh, of Vision and Teaching. And uh, so we're in the book of Habakkuk, which is a, uh, a book uh, that nobody really reads uh, very much, uh, but they probably should. And so um, that's why we're teaching it, is so that you uh, know the book, uh, know the Bible, and so that you know what, what this is saying. But we've been talking about some really hard stuff. And it's, it's hard because um, essentially all of us are, go through difficult periods uh, of time and then we, we think about God and who he is and what he's like and we say, you know, my experiences don't fit the God that I, that I think exists. And perhaps you've had a blessed life and, and maybe you've grown up in a Christian home even and so you've just kind of always kind of believed. You've always had this this gut level faith that's kind of been there, and it's it's not really been an issue for you, and so you, you're just you just kind of really believe that you believe, but you, your faith has never really been rocked to its core. Now, I'm here to tell you that, um, and really Habakkuk is here to tell you, and God is here to tell you that if if you don't have a faith that is deep enough to go into the deepest hurts, you don't really have faith. You don't really have you don't really have a faith in God. If you don't have a faith that can follow you into the worst possible areas of life, then you don't really have a faith. And I hate to tell you that, but I, we need to be clear on what this means. It means this. It means that people who truly believe follow God no matter what. They follow God no matter what happens, no matter what takes place, no matter um, what losses they have. And somehow they end up trusting him. And that's really where Habakkuk is, is that he's... Here he is, he's this, this guy, he's this, he's this prophet. He works for God, essentially. And he, he cries out to God and he says, God, your people are sinful, why aren't you judging them? Why, why do you make me look at iniquity? Why, do you always, why, does, why is justice perverted? Why are things not happening according to what I believe your will is in this time? And God says, oh, wait a second. Uh, I am going to judge them, and I'm going to use the most horrific nation that you've ever heard of to judge them. And by the way, many of you are going to die. And so Habakkuk says, you know, why would you use this really unrighteous nation to judge a more righteous nation than them, even though they're sinful? And God says, I, ultimately, I'm going to bring out my good and my glory through this. But God says something very interesting in chapter 2, verse 4. He says, behold, his soul, and he's talking about the Babylonians, the people who attack them, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. And so he says something very key there, and, and basically it's, it's saying what I've already said to you this morning, which is the righteous people are going to make it through horrific situations by faith. It is their faith that enables them to make it through those situations. So let me just, I just thought of this as I was coming up here, and this, sometimes this is a really horrible idea, so we'll see how this goes, but let's just take a second here and, and just talk about some really uh, difficult passages in Scripture, and then we'll, we'll go into our passage. Acts 17 is, is kind of a, um, a, a difficult passage, and the reason why it's, it's difficult is because uh, it, it's basically saying that God is in control of all things. So Acts 17 says this. In Acts 17, verse 24, 
The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on, the, uh, on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God in hope that they might feel their way toward him and find him, yet he is not actually far from each one of us. So let's just stop right there for a second. What that just said is this, is that God has determined the allotted periods of time for each group of people, for you and for me, and for where you live and the places that you're at, and that he has predetermined that those things would take place. And what this looks like and what this means is that there's great difficulty in, in, in how God is just, God, why would you put me into this place, and why would you put this people group here, and why would you allow them to starve, and why would you allow these things to take place? Let's just talk about how difficult that is, because in one sense, it's comforting, but in another sense, it's not. It's not. It's very, very difficult. Let me go to another one, the mother uh, of, um, of all passages, Romans chapter 9, which is... Oh, some of you just were like, oh, no, you didn't just even say that. And I did because of this. It says this in Romans chapter 9. Like I said, I just, I just decided to do this, so I'm, I'm trying to determine which verse I'm going to use here. It says this in chapter, um, in chapter 9, verse 11. Nah, back up to 9. For this is what the promise said, about this time next year I will return and Sarah will have a son. And not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born and had done nothing, either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she was told, the older will serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated." Did, did you hear what that just said? It just said that here's two people that God created, and God, in order that his purpose of election, which means that God is determined, all right, I'm going to love him, and I'm going to hate him. And you just have to stop and just go, man, I, I believe that God is love, because it says that in 1 John. God does communicate his love, but here we have in, in Romans chapter 9, like, oh, this awful nature of like God saying, the Apostle Paul saying that God is, he like loves someone and hates someone else just so that his purposes will continue, not because of works. God predetermines this. And then he goes on, what shall we say there? Say, say then. Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So that he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. I, I, I want you to feel the weight of it. 
Why? Because Habakkuk is feeling the weight of like God saying, I'm going to use this really unrighteous nation, and by the way, they're going to kill a lot of you. In fact, most of you, there's going to be like this remnant left, but the people that are going to survive are going to be the people that have faith that really trust in me. Man, that's heavy. That's heavy. That's not your best life now, right? At the very least, it's your best life later or a really long time from now, right? It's, that's, this is craziness. But this is where faith takes you. It takes, it takes you to this point where you say, God, I trust you no matter what takes place, no matter who you are, no matter how sovereign you are. And sovereignty means this. Sovereignty means God's control over all things, over all time. And working his purposes and his glory out through that. So then in Romans 12, I'm sorry, the, the end of 11, verse 32, it says, For God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. Let's just stop right there for a second. God, why did you put a tree in the garden? Why did you even make the choice? Let's, let's just flesh it out here for a second. You're God for a second. You want to create this world. You know what's going to happen. You know what's going to take place. Why put the stinking tree in the garden and say, uh, you can have everything else, but you can't have that one? Why would God do that? Why would God do that? Well, guess what? We don't know the mind of God in all things. But let me tell you, here's an indicator. For God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. God puts the tree there. Apparently, he knew what they were going to do. And, they, and Adam and Eve go after this fruit. And they, they eat this fruit, and they do what God has told them not to do. And God is using that, and he says this, I have consigned, I have determined that everyone is going to be disobedient from that point forward, which is all of time, which is you and me, so that... He may have mercy on all. God's purpose in allowing sin in our world is to show that he is merciful. Now, that's hard. That's difficult. How deep does your faith go? All I've done for you this morning is read scripture. I'm not jacking with it. I'm not telling you it says something that it doesn't. I'm just reading scripture for you. That's what it says. Do you know what you've believed in? Do you know what you've believed in? Because that's where Habakkuk is. God, how could you do this? God, what in the world is going on? Why would you allow this to take place? Now think about your own life. You're a Christian, perhaps, or you're somebody who remotely believes in God, and you think, okay, I trust God, and so, but uh, you know, I'm not really walking with him. So then life starts to go kind of bad. And so you start thinking, oh, you know, maybe I should start going to church because life really stinks. <coughs> life really stinks. Lost my job, lost a husband, lost what, whatever it was. Life stinks, and so I'm going to start going to church. So you start going to church, and, you, and then what happens is this, is that either life goes better and you go, huh. I guess I'm doing okay. I don't really need God. So then you, you stop really hanging out with God's people. You stop attending church. You stop loving Jesus. And you just do your own thing. 
Or things go really bad and you say, God, look at what I've done for you. Look at how I've acted appropriately and how I've started to clean my life up. And here you are and this is what you give me? The righteous shall live by faith. They're not living by what they think their experiences are. Now, I want to go to Habakkuk now. Habakkuk in chapter 2. He ends with this, verse 20. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. And that's like the last word that Habakkuk says, or, or, or that's a, uh, it, it is God's word, but it's kind of unclear as to whether that's specifically, that's part of the vision, but either way, it is God's word, and that's the last thing that's said there, and we're kind of left with this kind of moment to pause, and what, what has just been said is this, this great difficulty and all of this other stuff, and then it's talking about how God's going to judge that nation, he's going to judge uh, Babylon, and then the last word is, but God is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. So he's heard all of this difficult stuff, and now the question is, how is he going to respond? Now here's what I love. I talk to people a lot, and people bring me their problems. People bring the things to me that they're struggling with. People bring the things that, they, uh, that someone else they know is struggling with. Or I talk to people and, and, I'm, and, I, and I have to confront and I, and, I, and I have to say, hey man, you're not really loving your wife when you do this. You, you were a complete moron when you said that, all right? Or th th this is not the way that you should live your life. You, do you know what I love? Is when I, when I say something that is really hard, and I should, I should clarify this. Do you know what God loves? It's when he speaks through his word. Because all I'm bringing you is his word. Do you know what would be easy for me? For me to tell you whatever you want to hear. For me to tell you whatever you want to hear. Like, for, for you to come to me and say, you know, uh, things just w aren't working out right now. And, and I just, I want to get out of this. I just want to leave my job without... You know, I just want to, I just want to jet without character. You know, it'd be easy for, you know, it'd be fun for me, maybe a little bit, would be to not have the stress of just wondering, are you going to like me? Are you going to walk away from God and never come back to him again? Because I told you the truth. Luckily, God has given me some thick skin and some really deep faith to just say, all I have for you is the word of God. And so I can kindly tell you, that that is not what the word of God communicates. That is not what the word of God says. But how many times do, do I tell somebody what the word of God says? And they just walk away and they say, forget you. How dare you believe it? I'm, oh yeah, I'm going to unfriend you. <laughs> My self-esteem just dropped by one eight hundredth, all right? I have 800 friends. I don't know if that. I don't know how many friends you have, but uh, um, I have quite a few. I'm a, I'm a pretty big deal, so. I'm, I'm going to unfriend you. I'm going to stop talking to you. I'm, gonna, I'm, a, I'm not going to submit to what you have to say, and that's fine because that's between you and God. 
It's not, it's not my job to get angry at you. It's not my job to condemn you. It's not my job to come after you. I mean, I'll plead with you, and I'll say, please don't do this. Please don't do this. Please walk with Jesus. But it's not my job to condemn you. It's not my job to, to come after you in that. How many times does that take place? But that's not what Habakkuk does. And so what I want to say to you, listen, I, do you know how I like to preach? It's not through Habakkuk. I'll just be honest with you. I don't like to preach through Habakkuk because no, like when, you know, we, we were trying to put together a sermon series title, like, what do you, how do you make Habakkuk sexy? There's just, uh, Habakkuk, you know, like, like, what, what do you say about this? It's just Habakkuk. It sounds like a sneeze. It's just, it, it is what it is. And I, I just, I just want you to get one thing. I just want you to get one thing. God has some really tough things for you in life. And he's good and he's gracious because of it. God has some really tough things for you. But do you know what? You will not grow if you do not walk through that. You will not grow. God is gracious to you by allowing you to walk through horrific circumstances. God is gracious to you because of this. In the end, it will boil your faith, and at the end, you will be left with what is real. What is real there? What is real faith? And what's been founded on a lifetime of just kind of hearing Christian things and listening to Caleb or having Christian friends? What is real in what is just e easy believism that you may have taken on at some point, what is real faith? Because God's purpose in your life is to bring you to a place where you have incredibly deep faith. And if you don't get that, and you're just here for his stuff, then you're like the people that were following Jesus around, and they just, hey, hey Jesus, make us something else. Get, cook something up for us. But do another miracle. Do something that, that'll help us. So where are you at? In that. So let me finally get to my sermon, which says this, or the, the, the scripture. Uh, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet, according to Shigianoth. Uh, Shigianoth is a word that is unclear. Uh, it sounds like a musical, uh, it's a way of singing that hymn. Um, it is believed that this is a hymn. We just sang a hymn, Come Thou Fount. It would be uh, a, akin to a hymn. It may also be a lament, but the short story is we don't really know. So uh, chapter 3, verse 1, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet according to Shigianoth. O Lord, I have heard the report of you, and your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. Now, I want you to stop right there because I want to reread it in the NIV because I think it's a little bit clearer. The NIV is another version that's a little bit easier to read but isn't always as accurate as the ESV, which is another version that I normally teach out of. The NIV says this, verse 2, Lord, I have heard of your fame. 
I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Let me read it again because I love it. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Now, I, I just, just kind of want you to get a sense right now of what's going on with Habakkuk. He's kind of come through all of this stuff, and he finally comes to this place, and it's decision time. Am I going to walk with God, or am I going to be somebody who says, forget you, God? And what he says is he says, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I've heard the report about what you do, the things that you've done. So the first thing that you have to understand here is this, is that Habakkuk is affirming faith through this verse. He's affirming, I'm there, I'm with you, I'm not going anywhere, I'm with you, God. And he says, I've heard of your fame. His faith is built on, first and foremost, the operation, the work, the stuff of God. Guess what it's not built on? What I think, what I feel, what kind of crazy uh, spiritual uh, experience I've had. It's not based on my experiences. As so many of you and us, myself included, We've walked through this period of Christianity where it's just like, I just, I'm feeling the spirit. Babylon B, the Facebook uh, or the website, BabylonB.com, I think, constantly makes fun of this. And it, you know, has fake headlines like the onion, if you've seen that. And one of them was, uh, you know, uh, smoke machines die, you know, disabling the spirit to be able to move throughout the service, you know, you know something along those lines, as if we can't move unless we have this experience. God can't move unless we have this experience. But what Habakkuk is saying, Lord, I have heard about you. And it implies this, that I am not hearing about me. I'm hearing about him. So let's, let's break that down for a second. Like, uh, you could say, you know what? It's just me and Jesus. It's just me and Jesus, you know? I, and it sounds really, really cool to say that. You know, I don't really need to be a part of the local church. Now, let, let me clarify something here real quick. I'm talking to people who claim to be believers. I'm talking to people that claim to be believers in Jesus Christ. Okay? For those of you that came in, you're kind of unsure where you're at, you're not sure what you believe, I'm talking to these people that claim to be believers. Now, you could say, it's just me and Jesus, I don't really need the church, but here's the thing, one of the primary ways that you hear about God and about his fame is by having some guy stand in front of you and teach the word of God and proclaim to you the excellencies of God. And to say, he's good. He's fantastic. Look at what he did. Look at what he's done. Look at what he's doing. Look at God. Look at him. Look at him. But too many times, your faith in God is based on your feelings about God or what someone else has said about God or what somebody who has uh, superficially read the scriptures and, and looked for different ways to accuse God of doing wrong. And so your faith begins to die. 
your faith begins to die. You cannot, and I, I've heard people go back and forth on this, and I just don't believe it. You cannot consistently walk with God without being with God's people. Well, what if you're locked up in prison? Well, God will visit you there, I pray, and he will be with you in those moments. But I will tell you this, that walking with God in those difficult moments is going to be dependent upon God and your uh, engagement with God's people prior to those moments because it will have built a faith from hearing from God. Are you hearing from God? Are you hearing from him? And more than just hearing from him, have you been confronted by the work of God? Now, I just read some of those scriptures for you that are some of the most difficult passages. And let me tell you, there's some, some even more difficult passages that we could have read, but I'll just leave it at that for right now. But the reason why I read those for you is because of this. Have you been confronted with how sovereign God actually is? Have you been confronted with who he is? And if you've been confronted with like the awful, and I, and I don't mean like awful, I mean like awful, like, like total awe, like have you been confronted with him and have you seen him in all of his glory, all of his goodness, in all of his sovereignty and said, yes, yes, I've heard of his fame. Have you heard of his fame? Have you heard of him? Dude, what's your, how deep is your faith? Do you have faith at all? Or is it just easy believism? And you just walked in and it's just, it's just a thing that you're doing right now. It's a box that you're checking. Life sucked and so now I'm going to church. But it's, it's, it's good that you're here because of that. God has used those circumstances to get you here. Now it's time to put on your big boy pants, your big girl pants, and to walk with Jesus in reality. Number two, I stand in awe of your deeds. From the ESV, and your work, O Lord, do I, I fear. It's, it's more than just being confronted with the, the sovereignty and the vastness of God, but it's going beyond that and it's going into, like, have I been affected by God? So I hear these things, is it just like, it's just hitting me and I'm just kind of like, no big deal, or, or is it like I've been confronted with it and now I'm, I've been affected with it because he's affected. Re reminder, He's saying, God, how could you? And now he's going to, God, I've seen your work. I've seen what you're doing. I'm not paying attention to everyone else. I've seen what you're doing, and I stand in awe of it, and I fear you because of your amazing power in our life. He's not just confronted, but he's affected by it. He's affected by it. He's affected in a way that it begins to worship. He begins to worship. Worship is not the thing that comes from great music and great instruments and things of that nature. Worship is a response to the knowledge of God and his deeds. Worship is a response to a knowledge of God and his deeds. Worship is not how you feel. I made a decision a little while ago, and that is that, like, man, I, I don't necessarily feel like worshiping God, and I want to be authentic. 
I want to be this authentic individual. I want to be this authentic person. And this authenticity thing has killed some things in us, in this generation. It's killed some things. It's, it's gone from, I don't feel it, and so I'm not going to do it. But here's the thing. I worship in song. I worship God. I praise him because that's where I want to be and because he deserves it. I worship God because he's worthy of it, not because I feel like thinking that he's worthy of it. That's what he's saying. I stand in all of your deeds because I see what you've truly done. So you've been confronted with it, but then more than confronted, you've been affected by it. You've been affected by it. One of my favorite passages, again, is back in Romans chapter 12. Right after he says that difficult thing that I read for you, for God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. In verse 33, the apostle Paul you know, breaks out from one of the most theologically intense portions of Scripture. He breaks out in song and he says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who, will, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever. Amen. That's the Apostle Paul saying, look at everything in detail about God and how he saves and how he determines all things and he just erupts in worship. Do you know some Bible stories about God? I'll bet you do. And if you're like me, many of those Bible stories don't mean jack to you. They don't mean anything. They're just Bible stories. And it's because of this. Because we have not fully looked at the deeds of God and said, he is awful. He's amazing. He does things that I don't want him to do. He acts in ways that I don't think that he should act. But he's God and I'm not. You can know some stuff about God, but if you've never been affected by God, it just doesn't mean anything, guys. It just doesn't mean anything. Have you been confronted? Have you been affected by God? The third thing he says, he says, renew them in our day. And I just, oh, I mean, I, I kept reading this verse, and I, I just was like, uh, you get to this part, and if you look at the original language, uh, the way that it's originally written, it, it feels even more poetic to me because he says, I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. He says, instead of renew them in our day, he says, in our day, renew them. In our time, make them known. I mean, I just, I like want to shout that from the rooftops. I want to scream that. I, I mean, I want to, I was, I've never thought about getting a tattoo, but I thought about getting it. And uh, I mean, I don't know, like right on the chest here, Maybe on one of my love handles, something like that. It would be, it'd be sexy. Um, my thighs are probably big enough for that. I'm not sure, but it would be amazing. He says, renew them in our day. Now, my kids, they come to me, and, and, and like we'll be playing. We'll be doing something like I threw. I made the mistake of throwing one of my children in the pool. And um, I was in the pool with them, but, um, and they, they can swim. So I should clarify some things here. Sometimes I feel like throwing them in the pool when they can't swim, but that's another story. And so, uh, 
but I'm in the pool, and, and, and so I, uh, I, somehow I figured out how to flip my children. I, oh, yeah, did, did it grab their arm and, and their head and just like, wah! And like, just, they just, woo! And one of, one of the pictures is fantastic because my son is showing that much crack because his shorts came off, you know, in the air while he's, he's spinning. But um, in any case... I made the mistake of doing that, and my kids come back to me, do it again, Daddy, do it again, do it again, do it again, and it just, it just never stops. If you'd like to watch our children at some point, you can get a taste of this and really feel the sermon, I will do that for you, but um, it's just an added benefit of being here at Outward, and so what, what happens is this, that they come back to me, and they say, do it again, Dad, do it again, do it again, do it again, and that's what Habakkuk is saying. He's saying, do it again, Father. Do it again, Lord. Renew them in our day. In our day, renew them. In the midst of the years, revive it. And so he's looking ahead from this point forward. God has just shared a vision with him. He said, this is going to happen. And he says, in our time, while we're here, in this moment, we want you to do what you've already been doing. So get this. He's been confronted with more than just a Bible story. He's been affected by more than just a Bible story. He's been confronted with this incredibly sovereign God who's over all and through all and in all, and he is totally encapsulated by him. And he says, like, I trust you so much, and I see what you have done that I want you to do that again. But I'm not trying to go back there. I'm not trying to go back to the 50s. When everything was honky-dory and everything was fine, God, I want you to do what you're going to do in our day. I want you to be God in our time. I want you to renew it right here and right now. Do you want God's renewal right now? Do you want God's fresh power over our lives and in our circumstances? You see what happens in the middle of some of these, some of these issues. Is that we say, God, how... How could you even rectify this? Everything I've ever worked for is lost. The one thing that I wanted is not there. God, I can't see how you could make something beautiful out of this. You know what that shows? It shows that you don't know the God that you claim to serve. Because if you walk through all the things that he's going to walk through in a minute here, actually next week, if you walk through all of those things and you saw God's glory and God's goodness and God's greatness and his power and all of those things, and that was on your mind because you've seen his deeds, and you would not say that God cannot affect your circumstances. Guys, the people who are affecting their city for God's glory, first of all, they're people that want to see God affecting their city for his glory not just to make their city more comfortable. We're not voting people into office just so that we can be comfortable. We're voting people in office so that God gets the most glory, so that God's purposes will stand. We want to see God's work be done no matter what, no matter what. We want God to renew those works in our day. Faith is built on a foundation of the knowledge of what God has done in the past and a confident hope of what he will do in the future.
I know what he's done. I know what he's like. Do you know what he's like? Do you know what he's like? You know what they say, the best indicator of future performance is past performance? When you go in to hire somebody, you say, what, what are they going to be like? That's why you talk to their, their former employer and say, what were they like? Well, we have a witness, and it's called the Word of God, and we can look back and we say, what is God like? What's he always been like? What are the things that are unchangeable about God? Well, God is unchangeable, and he is always this. And so when I know that, when I'm rooted, especially in the Old Testament, that's the first part of the Bible, if you didn't know that, uh, when you're rooted in the Old Testament and you know what God is like, and you say, how could God do those things? Because God wanted to show what he was like. How could, why would God just choose Israel and no one else? Because you, God wants to show what he's like. God wanted to show you what he's like, and you get to see what he's like. And then you can say, God, I want your work to be done. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In our time. God, I don't just want your work to be done, but God, I want your work to be done, and I want it to be known that you're the one that's done it. I want, I want your work to be done, and, and I want to see you get the credit for that. So here's Habakkuk, and he's like, he's not just about comfort. He's not just saying, I want comfort in life, and I want things to be cool, and I want things to be nice for me, and I just want my life back, and I just want my job back, and I just want uh, peace back in my life. He's not saying that. He's saying this. He's saying, God, you know all. Your works are amazing. They've affected me so deeply that I want you to keep working I want your will to be done, and I want you to be seen as glorious. I want you to be seen as the one who's going to get all the credit. Do you want that? Do you want that? Last thing he says, in wrath, remember mercy. And that's the prayer that God's already answered. That is the prayer that God has already answered. But how can someone be simultaneously wrathful and merciful? Well, we've already seen it. God has consigned all the disobedience so that he could have mercy on all. It says in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1, verse 8, it says, For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you, this is Paul talking to the Thessalonians, the church in Thessalonica, in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for a son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. The answer to that prayer is Jesus. And the people who have received it are the people who are turning from idols and they're saying, I'm not here to worship my comfort. I'm not here to worship myself. I'm not here to worship something else that God has created. I'm here to worship the one who's done the work. And their lives are changing as a result. And so Paul can say to this church, he can say, I, I can attest to what's taking place. I can see what's taking place in your lives. 
I can see that you've, been, you've really been affected by the gospel. You really trust him because you've turned from these things and you've gone to Jesus. You've gone from sin to Jesus. And some of you are like, man, I haven't gone from sin to Jesus yet. It's, am I not in? No, it's a gradual process that's saying, I'm letting go of my idolatry, the things that I'm worshiping, money, sex, power, and having stuff, getting things, uh, having relationships, whatever it is, I'm letting go of those things little by little, and I'm saying, God, you're better than sex. You're better than money. You're better than all these things. I want you to get the glory in my life, so I want you to renew your work in my time. I want it to be seen in my life that you're changing me slowly but surely. You're not just changing my city. You're changing me in my time, in my place. And the motivation for all this is simply this. That Jesus went to the cross to remove all of that wrath from you. Think about this. There's a song that says, and on that cross where Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. You know when we sing that song? And we sing it like, on that cross when Jesus died, the wrath of God was, you know what you're singing? The sovereignty of God expressed in his wrath taken place and done away with in Jesus. From the song, Wonderful Cross, see from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did ever such love and sorrow meet or thorns compose so rich a crown? That's the prayer that God's already answered. God's wrath was beautifully laid to rest in the Savior, Jesus Christ. It all came to a head, and Jesus absorbs it. He takes it in on the cross, and he's crucified, and he's taking that in, and he's, and he's, just absor- he's taking your pain. He's taking what you and I deserved. And so it's at that point that you can say, God, I see your deeds. I see what you've done for me on the cross. And I'm affected by it. You might say, yeah, the the stories don't mean much to me. But when you see that from the moment that God created all of time and even before time began, God's plan was to bring about salvation for his people, which is you and which is me, who've come to believe so that he could have mercy on you. And God's plan for your life is that you'd experience his mercy and not his wrath. And that as a result, your life would change. And your hope would not be in this world. And your hope would not be in what you think God is. That your hope would not be in what, who wins this election. That your hope would not be in how our economy is going. And that your hope would not be in what relationships you have. And that your hope would not be in anything else but in God alone through Jesus Christ. Do you know this God? You must know him. You must know him. You must put your faith in him. You must trust him. 
as your Savior. Let's pray. So, Lord Jesus, we, we ask that you would come alive for us. God, let us not be dead and lifeless Christians who have just allowed ourselves to float and to think nice thoughts. But Lord, to truly know you, and when we truly know you, to truly be affected by who you are. Lord God, we're praying that you would renew your work in our day. Lord, that you would do something amazing, that your works that we would know your works and that we'd be able to identify them when we see them and that we would know and that they would know that you're God and that all other gods are idols. All other gods are not real. Lord, may we see that, may we know that, may our lives be affected by it. It's in your name we pray, amen.